want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. Here we are. Yep. Episode two fifteen. Yes. Yes. Um, I found a fascinating this day in history. I'm curious to see if you knew about this. You ready? Mm-hmm. On this day in history in nineteen seventy nine, Woody Harrelson's father is arrested for murder. Mm, no. Didn't know that. All right. So Judge John Wood, known as Maximum John, is assassinated outside his San Antonio, Texas home as he bent down to look at a flat tire on his car. Actor Woody Harrelson's father, Charles, was charged with the murder after evidence revealed that drug kingpin Ginny, Jimmy Changra, whose case was about to come up before Maximum John, had paid him $250,000. Hmm. Chagra, worried about his sentence that would soon be imposed by Judge Wood, apparently conspired with his wife and brother to hire Harrelson to carry out the murder. Shattered bullet fragments found at the scene were traced to a uh, rifle, the type recently purchased by Harrelson's wife, Joanne. Harrelson, who had a prior conviction for murder in 1968, was convicted and sentenced to two life sentences in prison. Joanne, convicted of conspiracy to obstruct justice and perjury, was later paroled. Woody Harrelson funded his his father's appeals, enlisting the aid of controversial attorney Alan Dershowitz. Charles Harrelson died on March 15, 2007 at the age 69 of a heart attack in his cell in Colorado's Supermax Federal Prison. Wow. I didn't know. I had no idea. Hmm. Look at this educational program. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. I, I never heard that. Yeah, me neither. But you know what I did here? What? On this day. Uh-oh. 23 years ago, Iron Maiden releases Brave New World. You always got to be a one-upper. That's not a one-upper. <laughs> I think your story was... Pretty interesting. But Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> also on this day today, we have a special guest. We sure do. We have Bob Mitchell, who's been in a billion bands. <laughs> uh, probably most notably, Attacker, The Hounds of Hasselvander, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, there's a long list. But let's play an attacker song and then we'll get into our conversation with Bob. Coming off of Battle at Helm's Deep, Disciple. Yeah. 
Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you? Hello. Great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us tonight. I was looking forward to this. Us too. Very excited about it. Us too, for sure. Um, We have a bunch of questions, but uh, maybe you've been a part of a ton of bands. Um, I think a lot of people probably know you from Attacker and Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Yes, they do. um, Can you... Unless you wanted to go a different direction, can you kind of start like with the beginning of your musical endeavors? Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> <laughs> now you're asking me to use my memory. <laughs> you know, I've been around so long. Keith Richard is getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> You can use that for a soundbite. Uh, I like that. I'll put a marker in for that. <laughs> uh, my uh, my um, journey into the live stage began uh, May 15th, 1977. I played my first show. It was at Church Bazaar in Jersey City, New Jersey. And, you know, we were doing stuff like the Monkees and the Beatles, the Hollies. Mm-hmm. So I was the only kid on my block that could sing the Hollies. And, uh, and uh, you know, groups like that, Tommy James and the Shondells, you know, we did um, a lot of safe stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was fun because it's great music, and I still listen to it to this day. Mm-hmm. So from there, uh, we played ar- around for a few years. And by the time I joined Attacker, we were first known as Warlock. Mm-hmm. Without the K, right? Correct, without the K. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started as a cover band. And by that point, I, I got into heavy metal music, and we were doing groups like Riot and Bodine. Oh, cool. Judas Priest. Uh, <clears throat> let me see. I think we did... Um, we were one of the first bands to cover Iron Maiden. And uh, we did a lot of great stuff back then, which, you know, eventually led to our incorporating some original music, which eventually became the Battle at Helm's Deep album. And, uh, but it was great times, and we played so many shows. And again, like I said, I started in 1977, and for 42 years, I performed on stage as a rock frontman, quite proudly. And my last show ever was... Uh, November 3rd, 2019. And that's when I was the lead singer for the Hounds of Hasselvander. And not many people can say this, but I ended my stage career sharing the stage with a true legend like Joe Hasselvander. And that I'm quite proud of. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Nice. And the the reason why I ended in 2019 is because... In 2020, I recorded both the Scepter album and the Hounds of Hasselvander album that I sing on. And then uh, 21, we had the pandemic. 22, I had a stroke. Oh, Oh, wow. Sorry to hear that. My stroke occurred about a year and two months ago, but I'm proud to say that I'm recovering. I'm walking. 
And as you can hear, it didn't affect my speech. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Didn't affect my cognitive memory either. And uh, I feel great. Never healthier, never better. So fantastic. And now, you know, now I can look back. I'm glad it happened because, I, you know, I retired from, you know, performing. But I could look back and look back on a lot of great memories. And I look back on all the records I put out, all the venues I've played, the big bands that I've shared the stage with. Uh, the famous musicians that I co-wrote music with. And I'm like, wow, you know, for an underground guy, I did a lot. And I'm very proud of that. Hell yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So you didn't necessarily know that your last show was going to be your last show then? No, not at all. No. The, the plan was... Um, yeah, you know, to record the albums and go back out and perform again. Yeah, that's crazy. But, you know, the, yeah, the pandemic hit and then I had my stroke and I'm like, you know what? This is probably all for a good reason. Now, you got to think about it. Like I said, principally, I started in 77, right? Well, along with being a front man for all 42 plus years... I also kept the day job. So I always made money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was advised. I was advised when I started in this business. You know, kid, always make money. Always keep it rolling in. Don't rely on showbiz for your main source of income because it ain't going to happen. It's yeah. good advice. Yeah. And the best advice I ever got, and I stuck to it, and I'm glad I did because even though I played out and I kept the job, when I played with the band, I would take my money, I would pay into Social Security. So, you know, I have all that now, and uh, it's it's been great. Good. Well, it's been great. Well, that's good that you looked out for your future. Oh, you have to. With this yeah. record, you have to. Yeah. yeah. Especially nowadays. You know what I don't like is, uh, you know, my constituents and contemporaries, they're all fighting with each other. Yeah. I'm like, excuse me, this is show business. <laughs> Will you show, go home. What the heck are you fighting for? <laughs> You're fighting with the guy. You shouldn't be in a band with him. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I've been blessed to have been able to be surrounded by some great musicians throughout my entire career. Am I friends with them? No. It's just like I'm not friends with people I work with. They're my friends at work. Right. But I don't I don't bring them home. Right. Mm -hmm. Big difference. You know, you keep your home life separate from your work life. And I've always considered the band stuff my work life. Mm -hmm. So... I was able to separate the two. And for the last 15 years, I've raised my children, been married to the same woman, and uh, rock and roll was a big part of it. So right. she supported you, know, you I, I take it? Well, she knew what I was doing. It's like marrying a cop. Yeah, that's true. You know, what are you going to change, you know? Yep. It's kind of like some guys, you know, they meet these girls. When they first meet them, they're half naked. <laughs> then after they, after they meet them, 
What do you mean you're wearing that? You can't wear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm like, asshole, that's what you matter wearing. What's the big deal? Right. <laughs> what, you got turned down by her because she read Warm Peace? <laughs> yeah, get out of here with that. <laughs> you know, when I met my wife, she wore next to nothing. That's what attracted me to her. <laughs> I'm just being a guy. I mean, listen. I'm not going to tell her, oh, don't wear that and don't wear this, because that's what I met you in. That's so stupid. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, going back to your first performance, that was The Blast? Is that the name of that band? Yes, it was. It sure was. A bunch of friends from the neighborhood. Was that, all, was that your first band? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was 12 years old at the time. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> 12 years old. By the time I did Battle, the Battle album, I was uh, 17 years old when I did that. Wow. wow. That's awesome. That, yeah. That's why I sound so damn young and I hit those high notes. I couldn't do that now. <laughs> if I hit the notes then now, I'd lose a hip. <laughs> 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 when I'm losing hip just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that Battle at Helm's Deep became is a classic now. Did you guys when you were writing and recording it, did you know that it was something special? Well, yes, in a way, yes, but I didn't think it would be the classic that it's been called, you know, especially lately. Mm. Um the one special thing about that record is the one song on that album, uh, Disciple, uh -huh. the lyrics for Disciple originally was a poem that I wrote for English class in high school, and I got an A for it. And the original title was Bewildered. So when Jim Mooney got Rested Soul, when him and I were writing Disciple, that was the first song we wrote together. And that song will always be special. Wow. Nice. What a cool story. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when he and I wrote it, Jim was like, bro, you got to change that title. It ain't metal enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> let me look around. Let me look around. And I'm reading through my lyrics and I'm like, I think, to, I thought to myself, now, what would Deep Purple do in this, in this juncture? <laughs> Deep Purple had a song called The Mule. Mm -hmm. And they only mentioned The Mule one time in that song. Okay? So I got the idea to use Disciple. Because I only mentioned it once. Oh. And, I, and I told Jim, I said, Jimmy, what about Disciple? He goes, that's cool, bro. That's a metal title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, we named the disciple. I didn't change not one phrase, not one syllable, not nothing. Just change the title. <laughs> nice, nice. And it became a, it became a crowd favorite, and it's my personal favorite because, as I said, it is the first song I ever wrote with Jimmy. Nice, that's cool. Yep. So, did uh, how did you guys end up? Uh on Metal Massacre 5. We sent the demo out worldwide 
and um, the demo itself, and you could Google this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the demo was getting reviewed in a lot of magazines in Europe. And somehow this demo got onto the lap of Brian Slagle from Metal Blade. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. And he contacted us and wanted us to be on Metal Massacre 5. And he said you know, he loved Call on the Attacker especially. He said the riff reminded him of Merciful Fate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we agreed, yeah, yeah. I don't care what song you use as long as we get exposure. Yeah. <laughs> so my first album appearance was in 1984, and it was Metal Massacre 5. And the distinction on that album is that along with Attacker, bands like Metal Church, Overkill are on that album as well. Fate's Warning. You look up the track list, you see all these bands, you go, oh, my God. And we were amongst that, those bands, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so what, what, uh, what were, like, early on as a vocalist, what, do you, what would you say your biggest musical influences were? Dean Martin. Dean Martin. Wow. Yes. Because of Dean, I wanted to be a singer. Nice. When I was five years old, I would watch a Dean Martin show with my grandpa, you know. And the first time I saw him, he was sitting uh, on a couch, I believe it was, and he was surrounded by all these women. <laughs> and he was, <laughs> he was singing, you know how Dean sings. He was yeah. a beautiful singer, right? So I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I want to be him. <laughs> My grandpa was like, what? I said, I want to be him. <laughs> he goes, okay, be him. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. He's too handsome. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's because of Dean Martin, I wanted to be a singer. Hmm. He was my greatest. Uh, he still is to this day. And, you know, and then later on, I gravitated towards, you know, the rock music and, and Ian Gillen, uh, became my idol. Mm-hmm. So is that, is Ian kind of pulled you into like the heavier music? Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 Dean, I learned how to sing mm-hmm. and then Gillen, I learned how to rock. <laughs> nice. So. Both two of the greatest ever. I love them both. And, you know, there were other singers, too. You know, besides Dean Martin, uh, there was uh, Jerry Vale, Engelbert Humperdinck, Frankie Valli, Perry Como. Those are the guys that influenced me to be a singer. Uh, Neil Sedaka was another one. Hmm. Mm-hmm. As far as rock is concerned, it was uh, Ian Gillen, Dan McCafferty from Nazareth, mm-hmm. um, Bon Scott. Um, let me see who else was, was unbelievably great. Um, those are the main ones, really. Gillen, Bon Scott, and, uh, later on guys like Ozzy and, uh, Judas Priest and what have you. So, yeah. But the forefront is always Dean Martin, Ian Gillen. Hmm. Anybody who's followed my career, they know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. 
Did you, um, considering your vocal style, did you have to uh, do anything special to prepare for live performances so you didn't ruin no. your voice? No. No, I never drank. I never smoked. I never did anything. I took care of myself, and and I figured, well, if people are paying money to see me, I better do good. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never went on stage half crocked or anything like that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you know, or- I always took, I always took deep pride in what I did. I always had respect for what I did have respect for the business and uh, the musicians that were with me. And uh, I was taught very young, respect what you do because it'll, it'll, you know, it'll reciprocate in your favor. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely apparent in everything you've done. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Family, my personal life. It's, it, you know, it's all good. Um, What, what band would you say was the most challenging for you, either for whatever reason, vocally or dynamics in the band, anything like that? You you mean the band, any band that I was in? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that's easy. That's a, it. Would be Alchemy X. Okay. Alchemy X is my personal favorite thing that I've ever done, and I'll tell you why. When I first joined them, um, you know, they, they had me sing some stuff and whatever. And and the one guy, the one guitar player, he's a founding member of the band. He says, you know what, Bob? You're a great singer, but I don't want you doing that power metal stuff. I was like, well, who is this guy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so my bass player, God bless him, he pulled me aside. He said, listen. In the car, what do you sing? He said, you sing your Beatles, you sing your monkey songs, you sing Jerry Vale, you sing your Dean Martin stuff. Why don't you take that influence and bring it into this band? I said, you think it'll work? I said, I'm known as the power guy. They're like, yeah, so what? He told me, listen, Vincent Price, he played different roles. Mm Mm-hmm. Try something different. So I did, and it was the best thing that ever happened. Because <laughs> that band made me become a singer, as opposed to some yodeler who sings in a power battle band. <laughs> you know, so hmm. it altered my style, and I, I enjoyed it. I loved it, and uh, I still listen to that record to this day. Came out in 2003, I believe. Hmm. And uh, it's my favorite thing that I've done. And my personal favorite song on that is a song called Interlude, More Real Than Real. It's a semi-ballad, and it's got piano, and it's very lush. It's a beautiful song, and I was very happy to sing it. So that that band made me a better singer. So was it a challenge? Yeah, sure it was, because I was singing one way and I was becoming one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. This band took me in another direction and gave me uh, what they call the what's a, layers. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to adapt to a bunch of styles and bring it into the metal world. So for that, I'm very grateful. 
Well, that's cool. That's a good answer. Um, I You've done so many things. I, I'm not going to tell you that I've listened to every single thing that you've done. Because <laughs> I'd be lying. But, That's um, all right. Me neither. I, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go check that out for sure. I think I've only heard one Alchemy X song. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's great. The album is called Eleven Fifty Nine Fifty Nine. Cool. And uh, actually, you can find that on Spotify. All right, that's what we're gonna do. That album is on Spotify, and it's a I love that album. Very cool. Great stuff. Yep. So I got like a couple questions that are (laughs) kind of tied together. Um, Go ahead. Ask away. Go ahead. I got, you know, I love doing these things. You've kind of said that you've retired from performing live, but do you, do you still write lyrics? Do you still record? Nope. No? Nope. Once you're done, you're done. Okay. I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how did you end up being part of the Hounds of Hasselvander? Oh, Joe and I are good friends. Uh, we go back uh, many, many years. Um, when I fronted uh, Sleepy Hollow, mm. uh, we played with Raven quite a few times, and I became friends with, you know, not only Mark and John, but I became friends with Joe, too. And I was already a big fan of his because he was in Pentagram, too. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was during, um, trying to think exactly when. I think it was during uh, around 2015, no, 2000, between 2013, excuse me, and 2015, um, Joe played drums on my uh, Mind Assassin record. And if I'm if I'm if I'm wrong, somebody please tell me. But I understand that his performance as a drummer was the last one on my record on the Mind Assassin album. Hmm. He did a phenomenal job, and he loved the music. And he says, "Hey, you got to sing on my album next." <laughs> you know? I'd be happy to, Joe. I said, "I've been waiting for you to ask," and because uh, I love the Hounds of Hasselvander, this such great music, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love what he's done with Pentagram. Mm-hmm. So when we did the Mind Assassin record together, uh, he played on it, but he couldn't commit because he had to do the Raven album, and then he had to go on tour with Raven. So. You know, Joe didn't stick around for Mind Assassin, but he always said, you got to sing on my next record. Well, wouldn't you know, when he came back from touring with Raven, the poor guy had a heart attack. And it took him two years to get back to his, you know, full strength. And, um, but during that time, I waited for him. You know, I waited for him to call. And he calls and says, hey, I'm ready. I'm like, well, good. I'm too. I'm ready too there, Pally. And he sent me music on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me the music on cassette. I wrote the lyrics. He and I did the Hounds record together. And it's called Another Dose of Life. And it's a really great album. I was proud to do it with him. And... Um, it was released in 
2021, I believe, in September. And um, that was that was a great experience. But, you know, it all began with Mind Assassin. And, uh, you know, I wanted him to play drums for me. And like I said, we, we had an f- established friendship already, so it was easy to ask him. Hmm. So, yeah, that was it. Yep. What do you think of um, how the recording process is like today compared to when you first started out? It's too damn easy. Here's <laughs> <laughs> no, how I am. Rehearse your stuff, go in, do it one time. Mm-hmm. Everything you hear on my, my albums there, if you have any of my stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Everything I did, my friend, I did it in one take. Wow. That's really impressive. Yeah, it is. Well, I only did that because that's how I learned. Mm-hmm. You know, Dean Mar- did you know Dean Martin did two albums in one night? I did not know that. <laughs> he performed at the Sands. He was done at midnight. He flew into L.A. to Capitol Record Studio. He did two albums, right? One of them was... Um, was to become his staple song, Everybody Loves Somebody. Hmm. He did that in one take. Wow. He did two full albums in one night, went out the next morning, played golf. (laughs) And they asked him, how'd you do two albums in one night? He said, well, hey, pal, you know, you got to sing it live the same way. You know, what's a big deal? It's just a microphone with nobody around you. So that's how I approach my recording. I would rehearse the stuff, make sure I know what the heck I'm doing. I go in there, knock it out in one take. Wow. Well, like I said, I did in uh, 2020, I did the uh, Scepter album and the Hounds album, one session. Two full albums, one session. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's how you do it. You know, you go in, you got to be prepared. You got to know your lines and knock it out. Nowadays, you know, these guys, they walk in, they sing one line and they take three weeks off. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get in there. You know, the first Beatle album was done. They started at eight o'clock at night. They were done two o'clock in the morning. You know, why can't they why can't bands do that anymore? I don't understand it. But that's how I record. That's how I used to record. So hmm. well, that is impressive. You know, I would, I would go back on occasion do some backing vocals if I hear something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know what? Let me try something. I play it back and I sing over it. And, but that's about the extent of it. Hmm. Other than that, one take. <laughs> that's nice well if you're going to sing it live you better sing it the same way So, yeah I'm sure the the live fans appreciate that a, you can't cheat your audience <laughs> yeah. yeah you know that's a, to- that's a topic that's come up quite a bit lately um, with the way the because they're lazy and they were never good to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> well, now mixing and mastering, you know, and polishing, and yeah. sometimes bands don't sound the same live as they do on a record. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, they, they rely too much on gimmicks, and it's like, 
you better be able to do this live, my friend. Yep. Agreed. And that's how I came up in the business. You got you got one shot. You got one chance. And, you know, nowadays it's like, ah, you know, we'll sing to this, sing to a track, and you know, I don't have to do anything really except show up. Show up and take people's money. <laughs> 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 so I, don't, I, I can't do that, you know. I could never do that. And that's another reason why I retired, because when you have a stroke, you have this thing called asphasia, you know, and it kind of affects, um, you know, your, your, in some cases, speaking, but singing is very physical. Mm -hmm. So rather than um, take a chance and do more damage to myself, I figure, you know what, let me just shut up. I, I yodeled for uh, 47 years. <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> You know, I, I hate to go out there halfway. Have you tried on your own to sing? I, I vocalize at home, yeah. You know, I don't sing any metal. I sing the old guys, you know. Yeah. And the voice is still there, my friend, but um, I am out of shape. Because uh, you got you to think about it. The last time I actually sang was 2020. Yeah, it's a long time ago. It's, what, three years? Yeah. Then you have the stroke. I'm like, I'm in no shape to go out there. Yeah. <laughs> so it would take a while for me to get back in full force. So, But I'm enjoying my life too much now to kill myself. Well, that's good. <laughs> yep. Do you miss it at all? I miss my audience. I miss the fans. I miss the applause. Um, I don't miss the bullshit that comes with the business. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you there. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever will. But performing, yeah, sure, I miss my audience. But I figure, you know, I've got enough stories in me to tell people. And maybe I'll just take that route, doing interviews like this. And, you know, just tell my story and have fun with it and look back and be proud and be reflective and, you know, why be better? I did it all. Let's take a break and listen to an exclusive track. This was a previously unreleased song by the band Night Hunter that Bob was in. The song is called Look to the Future, and this will be released by Dark Age Records in the near future. Let's listen to it and then ask Bob all about it.
we connected with you through Aaron from Dark Age Records. Um, oh, I love that kid. Yeah, he's, he's great. You too. Yeah, um, he's, he's put, a great. He is. Guy. Yeah. He's putting out a couple releases from you, right? Uh, in the near future. He sure is. You know, it's funny. I had all this unreleased recordings that I've done from 1986 to 2016. Wow. wow. And I said, you think you want to fool around with this stuff? He's like, let me hear a track or two. So I sent him a couple of songs. He goes, oh, my God, I got to put this out. He, he loved it. So, And then the Night Hunter stuff came up that was missing for a long time. And that finally surfaced, and that's going to be part of it. But he's also doing a standalone release with it. He loves it so much. And um, I'm like, boy, what a great way to retire. Yeah. I'm I'm putting out two albums, and I don't have to open my mouth. (laughs) 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 But God bless that boy. He... uh, he made my retirement worthwhile because I'm like, the last actual <laughs> recording was the Hounds record. And I'm like, well, I guess that's it. And then I have all this stuff laying around doing nothing, nothing. <laughs> and he agreed to put it out. And um, we're calling it Bob Mitchell Unearthed. And the Night Hunter uh, record that I'm putting out is called 87. And it's simply because that's the year it was recorded. Hmm. Now, the Night Hunter stuff is really cool because those four songs, okay, they're a continuation of the Battle album. Now, when when you hear when it comes out, when you hear these songs, you you know, you listen to the Night Hunter stuff and you listen to the Battle stuff, and you're gonna go, Oh my god, it, it is. Look, same same crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and Jimmy. So, uh, you know, it's really good. I listened to it for the first time in 34 years. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is really good stuff. I'm really proud of it. So in addition to all that, it's, it's going to be part of the Unearthed album. And... Um, in addition to the Night Hunter stuff, uh, he's also including the um, 89 Sleepy Hollow demo. Oh, cool. Which has, it hasn't been commercially released in 23 years. Oh, wow. So that's going to be a part of it. And then, as I said, he agreed to do the standalone version of the Night Hunter uh, music. So I'm looking forward to that big time. I can't wait. I can't believe after all these years, people are still enjoying my music. It's like, wow. (laughs) We can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I think you guys will enjoy it. So, I think we will too. You know, the way I see it, maybe these CDs will make a nice coaster. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any release dates planned? Uh, no, nothing yet. Um, I made a post earlier that uh, he just got all the materials, the biographical stuff, the lyrics, the you know, pictures, and it's going to be a 16-page booklet for the Unearthed album. Oh, wow. Uh, 
probably uh, a good amount of pages for the Night Hunter release. So it, it's a really entertaining piece of uh, music that, you know, fans are going to have. And uh, I'm very proud of it. I never thought that any of this music would see the light of day. Put it to you this way, when you get these two releases, you will now officially have everything I've ever done. Nice. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. It's 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 so great, my God. Thank God for Aaron. <laughs> yeah, he does a great job. Yep. He does. He's he's nice and he's honest and yeah. you know, it's like he's a fan and uh he gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about it. He gets it. Mm-hmm. So, we're and put, putting this out is a great uh, way to put, you know, put my career to rest. You know, <laughs> um, were were you when you did the Black Star demo? Were yeah. you were you still an attacker, or had you? I was, yeah, yeah. I sure was, yeah. Okay. I did it as uh, they asked me to do it. They come on down and do this. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I went there and I did it, knocked it out. And then uh, a little while after, I did some gigs with them too, just to keep busy. Mm. And, you know, the attacker guys didn't like that. And I was like, oh, it's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I checked, the flag was red, white, and blue. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, um, you know, I I eventually joined them full-time for a little while, and then uh, Jimmy left Attacker, and, you know, then uh, me and him got together. We did Night Hunter. Mm -hmm. But the guys in Blackstar, I'm still friends with them, and they were a great, great bunch of guys, and what talented musicians they were back then. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine they sound like now. So it, it was it was great, you know. <clears throat> Do you have a favorite memory from your musical career? Um <clears throat> there's several. Let's see. Now, what kind of memory are you alluding to? Any kind of memory that comes to your mind. <laughs> Ones I can tell on air. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see there was this broad. Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't talk about your wife like that. (laughs) Just kidding. She's my my favorite groupie. (laughs) And my best groupie ever, my wife. I love that. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's my baby right there. No, but uh, great memories. Let's see. I guess um, the first time I played Lamore mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. We shared the stage with Anthrax. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, they just put out Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> oh, nice. They did. I'm like, I don't know. Who are, the, who are these guys, you know? <laughs> and we went out. We played with them. That was great. Um First time playing CBGB's. Oh, yeah. Very prestigious venue. And uh, I'll go on record right now. Attacker were the first heavy metal band to play CBGB's. Get out of here. Really? Yes, we were. Wow. We wow. Sure were. 
We was like guinea pigs, you know? How'd the show do? Really good. Some of the punks hung around. They dug it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they thought it was cool. You know, I thought we were going to get killed. Because <laughs> <laughs> our set was right after the hardcore matinee. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, God, we're going to die here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did good. So that's a great memory. I can s proudly say I performed in CBGBs. Very cool. And another great memory was playing in Studio 54 in New York City. Oh, wow. And uh, that was great, too, because there's a cool story behind that. When we got there, remember New Edition? Uh-huh. Unfortunately. The singing group New Edition? <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, New Edition were there, and this is Bobby Brown, you know, before before he got wacko. Got <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Brown and Belbiv DeVoe, they were all there. And I got to tell you, at the time, they were really nice kids, you know. They were really cool. Hmm. So they see us pulling up with this van full of marshals and stuff, and they're standing out there. Now, mind you, they already had a big hit, like, with Mr. Telephone Man and all that. Mm -hmm. So it was cool for me to meet them because I dug that song. Hmm. And they're like, you guys in the band? Like, yeah. I said, oh. I said you're, you're new addition, aren't you? They were like, yeah. So we... Struck up a conversation, and they really liked us. And then Bobby stuck around and watched us play. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and, you know, uh, that night we played with uh, Fate's Warning and uh, Obsession. Hmm. And it was packed. I mean, it was so packed. Now, the reason why New Edition were there was because they just got done shooting a video for their next hit. Oh, Okay. And that's how we met them. And they were great guys, and they they dug attacker, so <laughs> so that's a great memory too. I mean, oh god, there's so many. Uh, the first time playing the Gramercy Theater in New York City, uh, Sleepy Hollow opened direct support for Michael Shanker, and uh, that was an unbelievable night. That was great um, performing in Rocklahoma. And, of course, performing all over Europe. I mean, great memories, great bands. Um, over the years, I'd say, uh, let me see, back in 84, when Battle at Helm's Deep came out, we uh, got to share the stage with Metal Church. Oh, nice. And I became buddies with David and Kurt, and they were great guys. And they, they <laughs> David loved Attacker, and... Uh, I love Metal Church. I still do to this day. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, playing with them was great. And then uh, many years later, when I fronted Sleepy Hollow, uh, we opened for Metal Church again. And they had Ronnie Monroe singing at the time. Mm -hmm. And I met Ronnie. He was really nice. Kurt remembered me from the Attacker days. And... A couple of years later, I joined a band, an Italian metal band called Savior from Anger. And I round, I wound up, excuse me, I wound up co-writing a song with Craig Wells from Metal Church. Oh, cool. And yeah, the song is called In the Shadows, and it's a great song. So I always had this kind of distant 
third cousin relationship with Metal Church. Yeah. Know? Yep. <laughs> and over the year, the last couple of years, I became friends with uh, David Wayne's daughter, Tanya. So she and I are very good friends. And, hmm. you know, we talk about her dad and she's like, yeah, my dad loved you and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, David was a good guy. When I met David, he had bleach blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> He looked like he was in the fabulous Freebirds. <laughs> he, did. he did. He looked like Buddy Roberts. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but he was a great guy. And, um, you know, he loved the band and we loved them. And that was a great memory, too. And then we, um, Attacker, we uh, also, we did a bunch of shows with Fate's Warning. Now, this is when Night on Brocken came out and Awakened the Guardian. Uh -huh. So we played a ton of shows with them during that time. And we've played with Overkill, Motorhead, all great guys. Um, great memories, my goodness. I, I can't even begin. I don't know where to begin, to be honest with you. <laughs> so many great memories. And um, are you... Are you kids familiar with the band Seven Witches? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, you know Jack, right? Yep. Jack, okay. Jack and I grew up together. Okay. I went I went with Jack to buy his first guitar. Oh, oh nice. wow. When he first started, now, this is even funnier. Jack used to come see Attacker rehearse. Down in Hoboken, down in Hoboken, where I'm from, and he he idolized Mooney, and he indirectly that's why he picked up guitar. He because he loved Jim and he wanted to be a guitar player. That's cool. Yes. So, yeah, he and I were very close, and uh, actually, it was because of Jack Frost that I met my wife. Oh wow! So I'm indebted to him so much because of him i have my wife i have my children all because he was good friends with her you know cool so I love, yeah i love jack to death and he's a talented guy and a great guy and he's always been a terrific a terrific friend so um but yeah i was with him when he bought his first guitar it was a pink charvel <laughs> <laughs> The pink Charvel and his white marshals. <laughs> <laughs> well, his dad was the uh, chief of police of Jersey City. And so I, I knew the family quite well. So, but so many great memories. My God, where, where else can I go here? We played with uh, Hades. Mm. They were great. I was going to um, mention Alan, actually. We had. Say, I'm no, I was, I, I was going to say when you mentioned Seven Witches, I was going to mention Alan. We had Alan on the show like three years ago, I think. Oh, yeah, I love Alan. Yeah. Alan's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that guy. Uh, Alan's a great guy. Uh, Hades are one of my favorite bands, and we played with them early on in their career as well. Nice. Uh, we shared the stage with T.T. Uh, Quick. Uh, we shared the stage with... Um, when I fronted Sleepy Hollow, we played with nonfiction and, mm. and you know, bands like that, Mucky Pup, and uh, 
Oh, so many. My God, I get my head spinning right now. I love it. <laughs> we played with the We Open for Sabotage Studio One. And I, I remember this distinctly. John, I love John Oliva, by the way. Mm -hmm. And his brother, Chris, was nice. He was very quiet, but he was a good guy. And I remember we were in the back. <clears throat> we kind of, we shared a room with uh, Sabotage, you know? And I remember John sitting there and he's going, you know what, man? One day I want to do a Christmas metal record. <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, you're fucking crazy, John. That ain't gonna happen. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. You watch. It's going to be amazing. Who knew? Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 uh, when we played with them, it was during uh, Gutter Ballet. Mm -hmm. That's when we played with them. And I remember John being such a sweetheart. He was a great guy and... The whole band was really cool, so, and I miss Chris. <laughs> yeah, what a guitar player! One of my favorites. Yeah, and uh, yeah. but yeah, isn't it funny? I'm sitting there. Here's John talking about metal Christmas, and here he is. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Who would have thought? My God, what a guy! He. One thing I'll say about John Oliva, he he is certainly a visionary. Like he just kind of. He knew what was coming up before it happened. Yeah. 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 Bless his heart. <laughs> what What can you tell us about uh, Vindicator? Vindicator. That was, uh, uh, let's see, that was in the early 2000s. Um, they were friends of mine, local musicians who wanted to do something. So I said, all right, we'll do something. So we started writing, and we put out a record, and we played a bunch of shows, and uh, they were great. And um, the one guy, Rob Oriani, uh, is a, a childhood friend of my bass player, Steve, who was also with me in um, Alchemy X. By the way, you can find Vindicator on Spotify as well. Oh, cool. Um, Rob was a great guy. The poor guy worked. He was kind of, we were kind of similar in a way. He played in a band, but he kept a job. Took care of his family, and he was a great family guy. He worked for the U.S. Postal Service. And the poor guy, he's delivering mail one day, and he passed away. He had a heart attack. Oh, oh wow. man. Well, that was the end of uh, Vindicator, you know? And um, that's sad. I held, a, yeah, I held a memorial show for him uh, about a year later because it was, it was. I just, I'm like, I can't believe this. No way. He died in November. We had the memorial show the following March, and I was able to get Ross the Boss to perform Seven Witches because Jack. He was a childhood friend of Rob's. They went to kindergarten together. So, just goes to show you how deep the friendship runs around this clique. Yeah. And uh, I, di I did a post on that on Facebook not too long ago. And, um, you know, we did that, and it was great turnout. Raised a lot of money for Rob's family, and 100% of the of what came into the door went right to the family. 
That's the deal I meant. That's the deal I made. You know, because the club, they wanted a piece. I'm like, you're not taking a piece of nothing. <laughs> so this poor guy was delivering mail. He drops dead, taking care of his family. You want to take a piece? Yeah. Agreed. We keep the whole, we keep the whole thing or forget about it. So the owner had to get involved, and I told him, and that was it. So he agreed. He says, all right, it's just a one-time, let it go. So we charged uh, 20 bucks at the door. Five to 600 people packed the place. Whoa. And all that money went right to the family. That's I didn't awesome. take a dime. I didn't take a dime. Nobody took a dime. Ross didn't take a dime. I didn't sing because I feel that would be a little bit, uh, you know, showboating. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just put the show together and it was a huge success. And I did it for Rob. So, but, you know, his one contribution is the uh, Vindicated Record. And it's a pretty heavy album. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one, too. Yeah. It did well when it when it came out. So we didn't get to play with too many big bands though. We basically wound up uh, playing with local bands, headlining ourselves and yeah, I think it would have gone in a much greater direction had he lived. Yeah. So but you know, it is what it is. I miss the guy. I bet. Mm. If you knew him, you'd say the same thing. He was a beautiful guy. Yeah. He really, yeah, he really was. If you could tell your 17-year-old self something today, what, yeah. would, what would that be? Stay the hell out of showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean that. No, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a show business nerd. <laughs> When when I played the Gramercy Theater, this is a place Al Jolson performed in. This is a place the Marx Brothers headlined in. Okay, that that to me was like walking into the Vatican, you know? So <laughs> I am. I'm a big show business nerd. I have a great respect for the business and uh I always I never conducted myself as a rock singer, you know. I always conduct I people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an entertainer. Oh, really? What do you do? Well, I sing in a rock band. Oh, okay. If you tell people right away, I sing in a metal band, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, right away, they had this bad connotation. Yeah. Yep. But if you say I'm an entertainer, they're more they're more than receptive to that. Yep. Then you kind of ease the metal in there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, metal then versus metal now, it's like uh, it's like ice cream and horse shit. <laughs> 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 you know, I never thought I'd see the day when Led Zeppelin is safe, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or Alice Cooper is safe. Yeah. 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 Back then and you know, in my day, Led Zeppelin was like, oh, oh, stay away. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> no. Not anymore. But yeah, it's uh 
And, you know, my stage persona is not that of a metal singer. You know, it's more of a, an entertainer. You know, I, I tell jokes in between songs, and I, I'm one of the few guys that got away with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say stuff like, uh, oh, you're going to love this song. And my guitar player come up to me and say, well, how do you know they're going to like it? And I'll say, well, I've locked all the doors. They can't leave. (laughs) 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 I'll say stuff like that, you know, and after a while, um, it's called Rat Pack Humor. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when, you know, they akin me to using Rat Pack Humor on stage, so... (laughs) You know, and and I love it because you know it, it gets a laugh, especially when I sing, and uh, <laughs> you know, I get laughs and uh, and you know, and I rock I rock them out. So it's like you can't can't ask for a better night out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, a lot of a lot of performers don't take that into consideration like if like the entertainment part is really important like like someone could just listen to your record at home if that's if there's no entertainment value at all you know no there isn't and that's what's missing Mm -hmm. you know this is my problem with a lot of performers especially today Mm -hmm. they don't they don't reach in and and draw the influence from the show business people. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in an era where there was nothing but variety shows on television, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You watch Carol Burnett, and in the next hour, you're watching Don Kirshner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened to that? It's all gone. Yeah. I'm a show business guy. I mean, I... I um, I love entertaining. As I said, I used to love watching the Dean Martin show. Mm-hmm. And I would also watch the Danny Thomas show. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know Danny Thomas as the founder of the St. Jude Hospitals. Mm-hmm. But he was a great, great entertainer. His daughter was Marlo Thomas. That sh- the show was called That Girl. Yep. But Danny was so great. And, you know... You know, the Dean Martin roast where you can make fun of people and not offend anyone. Yeah. That is true entertainment, and that's the humor I use when I perform on stage. And people like it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's uh, it's unusual for a metal rock singer to talk in that kind of dialogue. You know, they're usually cursing or motherfucker this, motherfucker that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I never worked blue. I think I did early in my career, and then I was told by someone, look, people are paying to see you. Why are you cursing at them? <laughs> you're, insult- you're insulting your audience. I'm like, yeah. I'm not insulting them. Yes, you are. You're cursing your head off. Don't do that. It's not good. <laughs> But Sinatra never cursed at his audience. I'm like, no, but when he came off stage, he did. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we take a break and listen to another Bob band? That's a great idea. How about Sleepy Hollow? All right. How about Eternal Bridge? <laughs> Oh, 
that you listen to from the beginning to the end all the way through you mean recently yeah um trying to think it was last week it was last Sunday actually it was uh come taste the band deep purple oh Nice. Yep. Then after that, I put on um, an album called 3 AM with Jimmy Roselli. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Front to back. So you still spin records? Yeah, I got a record player right next to me here. Awesome. Nice. Yep. 
We love doing that too. Yeah, vinyl's a beautiful thing. There's an art to playing vinyl. Yep. Yeah. Yep, definitely. You know, it's 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 nowadays kids hit, hit a button and they listen to whatever. But I'm like, nah, you got to pick that thing up. You got to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you appreciate it more then. Yeah, you can look at the pictures and you look at the artwork. And that was the beauty of listening to records, you know? Absolutely. All right, we have one more question. Well, two more questions for you. <laughs> you can have 20. I'll answer them all. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, who was your favorite 80s wrestler? Jimmy Snooker. Really? That's mine, yeah. too. The Superfly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you why later. Later on, there was a time I left music. Okay? After my first run in Sleepy Hollow, which was 1992, 93, mm -hmm. I got into ring announcing. Oh, cool. Come yes, on, I really? Did. I sure did. Yes, I did. That's awesome. I got into... Well, when I played with Sleepy Hollow, I became friends with a bunch of local wrestlers. And they used to come see me play. And when I was... You know, kind of calling it, the one guy came up to me and says, hey, you know what? You're good with an audience. You want to try ring announcing? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you get to wear a tux. Is there a tux? Dean wore a tux. I'll wear a tux. <laughs> so uh, I'll trade my leathers in for a tux, you know? So I did that. I did ring announcing from 1993 to 1999. Oh, that's awesome. And along the way, I befriended Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yep. And um, I remember one time uh, we did a TV taping for the Worldwide Wrestling Alliance. And I got to the building and Jimmy was there. And uh, he comes up and he goes, brother. You're going to call my match tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to sit commentary, brother. You're going to call my match. I want you to call my match, brother. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, what do I do? He goes, don't worry about it. So he went to the promoter. He told the promoter. And the Promoter was like, all right, you're calling the matches tonight. Jimmy wants you to call his match. Nice. So I did. I called, I called this match at ringside. I did a ringside interview with the Metal Maniac, and it was it was great. It was so much fun. Uh, not only did I become friends with Jimmy, um, during my ring announcing time, I, uh, I ring announced uh, Rocky Johnson, who's the father of The Rock. Mm-hmm. And um, let me see who else uh, became good friends with the Iron Sheik. That's my second uh, favorite. <laughs> oh, Baba, he's he's amazing. <laughs> God bless him. I love the Iron Sheik. I became friends with a lot of these guys, and you know, through them, I met Don Morocco, and I met Samu and Fatu. Um, Fatu, I believe, is the, is the father of uh, Jimmy and Jey Uso. And um, I met The Rock when he was a kid, a skinny kid with a big afro. Hmm. And I uh, met all those guys. And uh, 
I remember guys like Crowbar when they were starting out. I used to ring announce them, and I started with them. And and I got to tell you, of everything I've done in show business, wrestling was my favorite part, hands down, number one. Oh, wow. That's cool. And Jimmy was a treasure. He was such a great guy, and he taught me so much, and I met a lot of great people because of him. Um. Early when I was ring announcing, um, I met Iron Mike Sharp, who introduced me to Pat Patterson and Tony Gurria. And, uh, you know, I ring announced for them for a little while and did a bunch of stuff. I ring announced for Dennis Corluzzo. I ring announced one of the very, very first, before even Paul Heyman was involved, um, the very f- one of the very first um, ECW shows. Oh wow! And uh, Jimmy was with ECW in the very beginning. And you know, I met Paul Heyman and Brock and all them guys, and um, I'm still friends with a lot of them. Hmm. And um, God bless them. When when it was found out I had the stroke, Metal Maniac was all up on the Kool Aid. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> He was like, brother, you got to do this. You got to do that. Don't take these vitamins. Take these vitamins instead. Blah, 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 blah. And Maniac had a heart attack. And if you look at him now, he looks like a million dollars. You'd never know it. Hmm. He'd go back in the ring tomorrow and probably put on a great match. So, you know, uh, suffice to say, I, I watch wrestling differently than most people do only because i was so involved in it yeah Yeah. for sure you know i um i got attacked by abdullah the butcher uh whoa (laughs) that was great it was cool because we were in the back and abby comes up to me goes he goes hey baby can you take a bump (laughs) like yeah he goes all right i'm gonna beat your ass He says, get my weight wrong, and that'll be the trigger. I was like, all right. So I got his weight wrong, and he chased me, and he got me, and I sold it for him, and I got stretchered out the whole nine. That's great. And then I got into one other <laughs> Oh, my God. One other time, I uh, I did a, I did a program with uh, Tracy Smothers. You remember him? I don't think so. I don't. He's a pretty well-known guy. Anyway, I did a program with him, and um, he basically the same thing, you know, get this wrong, get that wrong, and I'll come after you. Okay. So I did that, and he came after me, and then while he's going to hit me, he's, he's whispering, he goes, push me. I'm like, why? He goes, push me. So I pushed him, and he threw himself out of the ring, and the crowd popped. And, <laughs> and I was the damn ring announcer, you know? So I go down after him, and he goes, grab a chair. So I grab a chair, and I chase him out of the, out of the arena. And it was, you know, that was it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So the sweetest guy besides Jimmy was Terry Funk. Mm. He was such a beautiful guy. And... Uh, had a great time in wrestling, yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. But yeah, that, I guess that answers your question, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. 
Well, uh, I think we've taken enough of your time, and we appreciate no, it. No, no worries, brother. It's all good, man. If you got more, go for it. I think I think we're yeah. I think we're good. We're pretty good, but um, right. uh, I did want to ask you if uh, some, yes, some old fans or new fans are listening. What would be yeah. the best way for them to learn more about you or contact you? Contact me on Facebook. If you want to hear my music, go to Spotify. Um, all my albums, my whole career is on there, with the exception of Save You From Anger and Mind Assassin. For those two bands, go to YouTube. Okay. Cool. But everything else is on Spotify. And you know, if there's anything you want to know about me, you can contact me on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. Awesome. And I'm always willing to talk to anybody. Anybody who, who wants a time of day, I'll give it to them if they deserve it, you know? <laughs> well, we're glad we deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you more than deserved it. This was an absolute pleasure for me. I had such a great time. Us too. I hope, Thank you. I hope my stories didn't bore you. No, not at all. We loved them. They're a great story. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And th There's a lot more, but maybe we'll do it next time. Maybe yeah. when the records come out, we'll do this again. I would love to do that again. That would be great. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe we can have Aaron co-host and we can talk to you again. Oh, that'd be great. Oh. Well, thanks again, Bob. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Like I said... We appreciate you, and it was great talking to you. You take care, both of you, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? You too. You too. Bye, Bob. God bless you. Bye-bye, sweetie. You too. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, let's end the show with the last band that Bob was in. All right. The Hounds of Hasselvander. Yes. With the song, Live Your Lie. Excellent. Until next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be an asshole. And... Have you heard about the guy that dipped his balls in glitter? No. Pretty nuts, right? No. No.